0: Welcome to Funding the Dream, the number one podcast for the number one crowdfunding platform, Kickstarter. Now here's your host, Richard Bliss. I'm excited about my next guest. Actually, I never call him a guest. He has been on the show multiple times. He's our um, most popular um, guest on the show. He's really my co-host. and I want to welcome my co-host, Jamie Stegmeier, to the show. Jamie, welcome to the show.
1: Hey Richard, thanks for having me. It's great to talk with you today.
0: It is. It is. And Jamie, you are the just so those who are new to the uh podcast are aware, you're the owner founder of Stonemeyer Games, right?
1: Yeah, I I uh I publish board games, I design board games and I write about Kickstarter at on our blog uh, com or kickstarterlessons.com.
0: Bluntly, this your pod, your excuse me, your um the lessons are not about board games, although there are a set of those. It's really about Kickstarter and crowdfunding in general, isn't it?
1: Exactly. Yeah. I'm trying to – I mean that's been kind of my focus the last year to make sure I'm appealing to people in any category on Kickstarter, not just the tabletop game category.
0: And there are – got to admit, we've been doing this for a long time now. And there are – when you go out, um, out on Google and type in Kickstarter lessons or Kickstarter, um, there is just a flood – Of information out there now isn't there compared to when we first started
1: oh yeah yeah there are tons of different people read about kickstarter about crowdfunding which is good um i think one of the challenges is kind of filtering that all that content and figure out what's right for you
0: and you've done that i see that on your uh, blog you have kind of uh, put together a series of guides almost to help people just kind of guide them through some of that process right
1: yeah, I took the feedback of a, another creator named Eduardo Baraff who suggested that it was a little overwhelming when you showed up at my site and saw 100 plus kickstarter lessons. So I tried to distill it down to kind of step-by-step process so people could just focus on what's important to them at that time and then move on to the next step.
0: You know, it is a small world because uh Ed is a member of my gaming group here in the San Francisco Bay Area. You're based oh, yeah? In, yeah, you're based in St. Louis and it's just funny how um the, in this great big world of crowdfunding, it's actually pretty small still.
1: Yeah, that's cool.
0: Let's talk – what are we going to talk about today? I think we have some topics. Um, one of them might be this very thing, and that is this idea of giving advice. Uh, you get asked a lot on a regular basis about advice for Kickstarter, don't you?
1: Yeah. In fact, j- just the other day, this topic kind of came to mind because someone asked me for advice about giving advice. He said that he had a friend running a Kickstarter campaign, and I think she was in the middle of the campaign. And the campaign isn't doing well at all. And she came to him for advice or maybe he offered advice. I don't really know how that situation worked, but he came to me and said, you know, I'm really struggling with this because I really care about this person, but she's doing so many things that I consider. I I can tell right away from the campaign why it's not working. And I want to find a a constructive and positive way to tell her that feedback.
0: (laughs) That's a very delicate situation (laughs) every time because it happens to me too. Somebody contacts me. Um, they're usually in the middle of the campaign help, you know, what can I do? And when you look at it, you realize that sometimes, sometimes there are some things that can help, but other times there's just, there's just very little that you can do other than to give them advice. Oftentimes I give the first piece of advice is stop, right? Right. Stop what you're doing right now. Stop the campaign. Start over. Um, so what, what kind of advice do you give about giving people advice?
1: Well, it's, it's, it's tough. And I think this will be interesting for our listeners here because if people listen to your podcast, they probably feel like they have some advice to give. So I'm sure the situation is going to come up with listeners. Um, I think one of the first things to do, I mean, just with giving advice in general is to maybe recognize a few of the things that they're doing right kind of to reinforce those things that it doesn't just become a, even if you do it gently, like a, a bash session where you're telling them all the things they're doing wrong. Would you would you agree with that? I know we have we're going to talk about different techniques here today. So
0: yeah, I would agree I with that. Um, you're you're very much more diplomatic about that than I think that I am. Although uh, some people might uh, disagree, because I I look at the campaign, and I get a lot of requests: Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, email. Um, I, and sometimes I don't have a lot of time to spend on it and I can't look at all of them. And so I'll just give a cursory glance. I'll just, I'm like, sometimes something will catch my attention or I'll have just a moment. I'm like, okay, I'll take a look. And I click on it and I look and oftentimes having looked at so many, you're like, oh, no, this just isn't going to make it. And I can move on. And that happens within, I have to, I hate to say, sometimes under 10 seconds. Yeah. Of looking, seeing, and moving on, and then people say, well, what is it that you looked at that told you that that wasn't going to make it? But as you're saying, if you can't come into it as well as saying, you look at it, and you're like, oh, hey, this has got a shot. This has some potential. Um, It's got a cat video, so it can't be all bad. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I'm just, I'm just kidding. Partially, it seems like, right. You would know more about that than I am. So I, I like your uh, approach to say, look, find some good things because everybody is, you and I both are sensitive to putting those projects out there and being aware of the criticism that can sting so, so well. It, I mean, that's not the right word, but it can just get right to your heart, um, with that criticism.
1: Right. Right
0: and i would say for this
1: specific topic this might be for times when you when you do have a few minutes to give someone feedback either even if it's a stranger or if it's like a friend in your gaming group maybe they're running a campaign that's not going well and they come to you for feedback so
0: if it honestly okay let's take that one if it, if it's somebody in my gaming group or somebody that i know well it's a lot easier uh-huh. It's a lot easier, and you might think that's different, but no, because I know that the advice or feedback i 'm going to give that person will not jeopardize our relationship right and then so i we can be very blunt, and we have here is that i don't like this component, and when it comes occasionally people will bring their project to our, our our group, and there'll be a variety of inputs, and people have all kinds of different inputs and and some of the people here have run some very successful Kickstarter campaigns and can be very blunt. No, that doesn't work. Well, no, I like this. No, okay, but it doesn't work. And um that kind of pushback. I participated in um somebody's Kickstarter project testing a couple of months ago. And uh I won't mention Robert Burke's name uh, on the air, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's been on the show a couple of times, and he's done some very good Kickstarter campaigns. And he brought it out, and the group gave him feedback, and he was not happy about it. And oh, Robert yeah. laughs about this because he contacted me after the con season and said that all the feedback he got from our group was reinforced by everybody who tested it. They love the game, but they said there's this one challenge. Sometimes okay. you have to overcome the, emo- the emotion of the person that you're speaking to and, and just battle through it. Or sometimes you have to be much more sensitive to that. And, uh, and so it depends. I feel like I'm rambling here that I haven't really given any details. Um, Jamie, what do you, what are some of the strategies that you might use?
1: Well actually something that came to mind while you were talking, the, the Robert Burke sample in particular is I would maybe the first thing to keep in mind when you um is is to re uh, keep an eye on whether or not the person actually asked you for advice.
0: Oh, that's a good one.
1: Because <laughs> uh, I think sometimes we jump to just give advice, and and beca- like you know, I write about Kickstarter advice, so it's almost my instinct to do that. But I, sometimes I have to catch myself and realize, hey, they didn't re- they didn't ask for advice. They're not looking for this yet.
0: They just wanted and, to show me their project.
1: Right, right, right. right.
0: So, and then just to receive, a, hey, way to go! You got to that stage. You've made it. Right. Way to go! Right. So, so,
1: I mean, and I think that's important because if someone isn't ready for feedback and you go on this long 10, I mean, you, maybe you spend 30 minutes of your time, like going through the project and writing out this long email or, or talking to them. And then you realize at the end, oh, they didn't, they didn't really want feedback yet. Then you've kind of wasted your time and their time. So that might be a first step. See, we'll see if they've actually asked for feedback.
0: So they have asked for feedback. There's some challenges with their project. And mm-hmm. now you need to go, as we're calling this episode, tough love. How do you deliver that tough love?
1: That's that's I guess that's the topic. We're kind of dancing around this. Because I think part of the reason we're dancing around it a little bit is that the feedback that you're gonna give to people might vary vastly from project to project, but we probably do see some patterns that we talk about.
0: So one of the first things I see is the the video.
1: The video, yeah.
0: Yeah, the video. And the first thing I look at is length. Mm -hmm. Um you know, three to five minute video. I'm sorry, I'm not even going to watch the whole thing Whole thing, and I'm going to tell you it's too long. Now, I might be wrong, but I'm going to tell you that it's too long because I'm not going to watch it. I am going to watch it for 10 to 20 seconds. Probably that's all I'm going to watch. And so the feedback you're going to get from me is on 10 to 20 seconds of your five-minute video. And Uh I'm going to tell you, first of all, it's too long. And then I'm going to tell you if you have something there based on those first 10 to 20 seconds. And that might seem unfair, but... But you, I think you're going to agree with me. That's all you're going to get from your potential backers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? So that's the first thing that I'm going to look at is the video. And I'm not going to look at the quality of the video, although sound is always better than than image. Meaning, if you do anything, one thing right in your video, make sure you get the sound right. Uh, because people will muddle through bad video, but they won't tolerate bad sound. Right. Um And I've had episodes. I think you've written about it. There's different ways you can make that better. So that's the first thing I look at is the video. And those are the two things I look at length and the first 10 to 20 seconds.
1: One of the first things I look at are the comments at the top of the page. Um yep. Just to see, A, are people engaging in the project? And B, probably, probably more importantly, are you the creator engaging in the project? Because sometimes I'll see a project that only has, you know, 40, 50 comments, which isn't it isn't terrible, but I I like I wonder why is that why is that happening and when you look at the comments you see that the creator made like one comment on day 1 and they haven't said anything since. So they're not even trying to engage that that audience.
0: Well going that, to I agree. I call it energy. Go into Kicktrack, right? You open up Kicktrack, you look at the comments on Kicktrack for that project and you'll see one and then a week later one. Right. And and that's right. There's no energy there coming from the creator or the participants. And and I agree with that 100% that that's one of the first things I look at as well as the comments.
1: Yeah. What's the next thing you look at?
0: Uh, the next thing I look at is the um, number of backers. Mm-hmm. My project's dying. I can't get anybody going. And I look and you got 26 backers. And then I go to your Facebook because I will. I'll go look because if you have your Facebook connected, I'll go look. And it says you got 700 Facebook contacts. And I'm thinking, well, What happened? What happened here that you can't get even 10% of your Facebook contacts to back your project? And that's the f- next thing, you know, my at the little thing that I always say, that you don't have a funding problem, you have a crowd problem. Right. And then I tell them, and that's one of the next things I'm going to tell them is that, look, you need to send an individual email to 10 people off of your Facebook group list every day asking for, and this is what we come back to, asking for a, a, a dollar, right? Just to start that churning, asking them to back that project, 10 people every day, a individual message, not a post to their page, not a post to their wall, but sending them an individual message through Facebook. That's the next mm-hmm. thing I say to them is look at that number of backers and realize that it's a critical mass that you have to reach. And if they haven't put in the effort compared to their social networks, that's what they need to do.
1: Right. How about you? Well, what I like about that that piece of feedback in the comments and the video a little bit, the video is a little tougher though, is that these are things that people can pretty easily change during the project. They can they can kick these things into high gear. Oh, good point. Good point. Um, so usually I, I'm realizing this as I'm talking. When I look at a project page during a project, I I do end up looking at the project page itself, like the content on the page. But that to me is almost ancillary to these last two points that we made. Like they're, they're, people can still change it, but at that point, like if there's something major wrong with the project page, like say the art is just terrible or the whole structure of the page doesn't work, that's something they really needed to fix before they launched. And it's not a really effective use of anyone's time to do that during the project. Like that's probably a time where they should just relaunch the project and and take a step back from it. And so I'm trying to think of other pieces of advice that I that I would give to someone well, what, during the project.
0: One that I don't have. Happen as often, but when I first started this three years ago, and I started a compilation list before Kicktrack was out there, before all these tools, I'd I'd report on every Kickstarter project, game project that was out there. Uh, <laughs> it's crazy to think that today how I would do that. But yeah. one of the challenges I conti- found, and it still happens, is what is your project about? Mm-hmm. What is this thing? And yeah. and you really have. I have a rule. I write extensively a lot. Um, you know this on Forbes. I do a lot of uh blogging out there uh, for the business audience and I have a rule and I learned it from writing press releases. I call it the 50-50-50 rule and that is only 50% of your readers will make it halfway through your press release or your article. Mm-hmm. And only 50% of the people um and only fi- the 50% of the first people will make it halfway through the f- the past the par- first paragraph and only 50% of those people will make it past the opening line of your article. And so, but when you realize it is, is that you know almost everybody's going to read the opening line, but then there's this huge half of your audience drops off and then reads the next paragraph, and then half your audience drops off and reads to halfway through the article, and then then you get everybody else down the thing. And the point I'm making here is, is that um, you need to tell people, and this is how time, sometimes in ten seconds I can identify whether this is going to work. What in the world does this project mean and is talking about? And if I can't figure that out in the first paragraph, if it starts off with my buddies and I years ago got together and decided we really wanted to come up with something that we thought was interesting. So we formed this plan and I've been working. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I still have <laughs> no idea what you're talking about other than you've got some buddies and, and you know, when you were nine, you had this dream. Uh, put that at the in the middle or at the bottom, tell me right up front what it is that this thing is and why I should back it. And you've only got two paragraphs to tell me that.
1: And I think that that ties into the idea that the Kickstarter projects need to be audience focused, not focused on like you and your story. It's worth sharing in some format at some point, but you need to make this as appealing as you can to the, to the strangers that show up at the project page. Who don't really care about your story yet? Maybe they eventually will, but they care about whatever the thing is. Like you said, they care about the the product or whatever whatever you're trying to create here. That's um, so very. You need to put that at the forefront.
0: That's very wise. So now the question is, Jamie, because this is the reality: the the folks who are creating this Kickstarter campaign, they thought that's what they were doing, right? Right. We're telling them to do something that they thought they had done. So, what advice do you give them? To make their st- story, and, and that's exactly what we use in my industry, is you write to the audience, put the audience first. How do you put the, your audience first if you've totally missed the boat? How do you do that? We've only got like a couple of minutes left to wrap up this. So yeah. <laughs> this, is probably, this is probably how we're ending it. Is it. How do you make your Kickstarter project focused on the audience and those strangers who are going to back your project?
1: It's one of those things where I don't know if there's a science to it. You just have to have a little empathy. You have to empathize with with what your audience is and put yourself in their shoes as you're writing the page. And I think a big part of that, this is why we recommend that people get feedback on project pages before the project and from complete strangers, because then you get that. Then you're putting yourself in other people's shoes as they look at the project before you launch it.
0: And I think that's exactly it. So a secret that I, that and that's exactly the answer that I was looking for, is that in my work, I don't write the title of my articles. Mm, okay. My editor does.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't actually write the complete 100% ready to go article. I get most of it out and it's pretty good. And then I give it to my editor and they come back and say, yeah, it was pretty good, except for this part, this part, this part, this part, this part. I move this part. I change that. Um, and then I have no ego associated with that. And this is what you were just talking about. Um, you need to, Think about your project just like a writer who has an editor. Create it. Now give it to the editor and allow the editor to, and that editor is friends, family, strangers. Let them come back and tell you what you got right, what you got wrong. It's that, it's that personal feed, feedback before you launch. Just like I have an editor who tells me, yeah, I understand what you're trying to say, but we need to move some things around here because sometimes you know it. I know it when you get so deep into it. The creator of the content sometimes can't see it anymore. Right. You get lost because you just, you're, it's just, and so you have to hand it off to somebody. So finding a trusted person to hand it off to, which is usually sometimes why they came to us. Right. In the first place, would you please look at my project? Um, and uh, that's the type of feedback. Find, find those editors in your life who are willing to give you that feedback, that tough love.
1: And I guess one thing that we might close on here is: Do you believe in the idea? Like, if if someone you actually care about—not a complete stranger, but uh, someone in your life who's running the Kickstarter—they're struggling, they come to you for advice. Do you think the best way to, I guess, the best way to love them in this situation is to give them the the blunt truth, or do you think the best way to to love them in this situation is to to cushion that blow? And because I think some people struggle with that, should I tell them how bad their project is in a constructive way? Or should I just say, you know, good luck? You know, you're doing fine. Keep going. What's well, the best it, way to love the, the people who we care about in that way?
0: It depends on the goal. I mean, if you yeah. really want them to go and learn the experience, then good luck. Do the best knowing that you think they're going to fail, but you're going to hang in there. So uh, I had a, I had somebody come to me for, with a project and they were really, it was really near and dear to their heart. And, uh, um, he's somebody you and I both know, um, BJ Homaker came Uh to me and he had this idea that I thought was very personal to him, but it was crazy. But I gave him some advice, helped him out, told him some things. Um, I think he might've got some advice from you. And he put his project up there and I thought he'd get a hundred dollars. He got a hundred thousand dollars. I was so wrong about his project, but what I realized that he was passionate about it and that I didn't recognize, I didn't, I didn't know. And so that's one of those times where I gave advice, even though I kept my own prognostication, is that the right word? Yeah, yeah. To myself. Right. Um, Because I th- said to myself, I don't know. I This is what I think, but I don't know, but I will still give him advice. But then there's on the flip side, and now we're out of time. And those are the people who you say, look, you need to cancel that project and start over. Right. And so you got to make that balance between us. Well, we're out of time, always.
1: Well, I think, Richard, I think that's a good closing thought that... As people who give advice, you, I, and anyone who gives advice, just because we give advice doesn't mean that we're right. And so we can still root for the people we care about, knowing that we might be wrong.
0: Yep. And, yep. yep. <laughs> that's, and that's our own, own thing to be aware of. We might be wrong. Hey, uh, thanks, Jamie. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Richard. You've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. My co-host has been Jamie Stegmeier. Uh, He is the owner-founder of Stonemaier Games. Go take a look at his blog. He's got great, awesome content, and he's got a great book that's coming out soon on Kickstarter. Our intro and exit music is Orientation by Bureaucratic. You can listen to more of their music at soundcloud.com slash bureaucratic. Today's show is produced by Come Alive Creative. We want to thank their work, and you can find them at comealivecreative.com. Thanks for listening. Take care.